Good morning. This is Mike Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. What's really happening in the real estate market? The press always has different stories. People have different ideas. But today I have an individual who's been involved with the real estate market for the past 25 years or close to that. I have Adam Altman, who is a managing member at the Cabor Group. Thank you for being here. Michael, thank you so much for having me. It is great to uh, be here with you and, and, and uh, be in your presence, one of, the, uh, one of the great interviewers of our business. Thank you for the compliment. So tell me what the Caber Group is and what, what they're doing today. I know you've been in business since 2008 or so. Yep, that's correct. We've been in business since uh, around 2008. And uh, I would say what we're doing today is not that different in some ways than what we've been doing since 2008, but in some ways it's entirely different. So what does that mean? Real estate is a living, breathing thing, and you have to move with the markets, and the markets are constantly changing. And that means certain asset classes become, are more in favor or more uh, uh, economical, and some are, and that, or, or less so. And right now, uh, the ability to get certain assets financed and the interest rate environment has made it such that, um, you know, we have been very focused as of late, on uh, pursuing uh, retail opportunities, multifamily opportunities, and other real estate assets where there is a miss uh, a balance sheet that's not properly in order, and um, and there's some dislocation around that. Okay, so the other day when we were talking, you were saying that you're buying mistakes that took place from 2018 to 2022. Explain to me what type of, what are you doing with buying? Okay, so first I'll say we're trying to buy. It feels like we're at the, the beginning of the beginning, not the beginning of the end, if that, if that sounds right. And, and what that means is a lot of people, even in the multifamily space, and certainly in the office space, which has been well reported on, um, bought assets between 2018 and, 2022 and they did not fix their debt and they had a certain assumption about what it would cost to let's take a multifamily an apartment building for instance what it would what the income would be and what it would cost to renovate that property and the amount of income that property would then generate and they went into that with um, the underwriting that they would be able to get financing at a level consistent with where it had been. And what we all know has happened is that the Fed had to aggressively fight inflation and in doing so had to raise rates very quickly, historically fast. And that m made it so that if you, these people who own this multifamily property, and you could apply the same analogy to uh, example to any other group, went to get financing, they were going to get much less money than they had uh, expected or underwrote. And therefore, they had to write a check in order to uh, maintain the uh, leverage level so on the property. So the, the question is, where do they write the check from? Okay, some of these people were undercapitalized. So what happens in that case? Gr great, great question, great observation. So the ones who are undercapitalized and don't have access to a strong balance sheet are in trouble. And those are the folks that have to sell. The ones who have uh, strong hands is the expression in the business and who have deep pockets will will ride out this 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 storm. And so our 
our goal is to find those folks who need to create liquidity for a whole host of various reasons and bring our capital to the table in order to try to consummate a transaction. Okay, with regard to that, you have to raise capital. You're a private equity firm, so you're going to investors to look to raise capital. How, how difficult is it to raise capital in this environment, especially with projected expected returns? It's, it's less about the expected returns. I, I, it is, it is it's difficult to raise capital. I think it's always difficult to raise capital. Anyone who says it, you know, unless you're the Blackstones of the world where, you know, they hang out a flag and there's an expression, you know, no one gets fired for investing in a, in a Blackstone fund. It, it's always difficult to raise capital. And, and it should be because people work really, really hard to make their money and they should in, and they invest it judiciously and they want to understand who and what they're in, investing it for and with. And so people have a right to make giving up their capital difficult. So I have tremendous respect for people's capital. And the the reason it's, the other reason I think it's difficult right now is because when the risk-free rate of return, when treasuries, when people can go to their bank and effectively get five plus percent, five and a half percent for doing nothing and taking effectively no risk, the amount of return you have to offer them and the amount of risk you're putting on the table needs to, um, offset that. Now, you were very active in Jersey City. What's your thoughts today on Jersey City? Um, Jersey City is a great city, great location, wonderful uh, environment to live, to have access to Manhattan. It's very, still very dependent on Manhattan. The office environment there is, I think, facing much stiffer headwinds, but the residential uh, environment there is very strong. The apartment market there is very strong. You know, the biggest thing that Jersey City will have to contend with is, you know, do they want to make, uh, do they want to continue to allow the wonderful developments that have made it such a wonderful place continue to take place? Or do they going to, like a lot of municipalities, are they going to, you know, um, hopefully not become a victim of their own success? Okay. With regard to Jersey City, uh, you had a massive project. Are you still involved with the development of a couple of projects there? We're still very involved in a number of projects in Jersey City. Um, I, uh, I think you're referring to One Journal Square, which is probably the most significant Jersey City project taking place right now. We're no longer involved there. Uh, our partners are continuing on with that project, and I think that is going to be an unbelievably transformative and necessary project for Journal Square. Um, and will change the, 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 in a positive way, um, Journal Square for, for the next century and longer. Okay, let's talk about a couple of projects that you mentioned before that you're in the midst of working on and buying from other people who've owned the property at, let's say, $100 million, and now you're able to buy it for $40, 45000000 million. So there, there are a number of, without getting too specific, because, but there are a number of properties where people, like I said, bought, you know, over the last, you know, five or six years, and they had a capitalization structure, uh, you know, and to defend some of these folks, you know, we've had two things that when you take a step back, we had COVID, right? Nobody, nobody knew how to deal with COVID, how that it impacted uh, all of our working patterns, our life patterns, you know, where people live, how they commute. And then you come out of COVID, you have this kind of like little bit of a honeymoon and reprieve. And then you head right into interest rates that are moving higher, faster than people have exper experienced in decades. I think I think it was the fastest rate. And I don't want to, you know, 
maybe technically, I, I'm not sure if I'm technically right, but I think it's the fastest rate since the 20s, 1920s. So um, rate of appreciation of the interest rates. So you, those two headwinds combined and created, you know, what we have now, which is a, a, a set of circumstances that is really tough to navigate. And I think the industry should be given credit for um, being really steering the ship through some rocky waters. And most folks are going to come out of this well and stronger and having learned some lessons that hopefully they'll be able to apply in the future. And then, and some as you know, will not usually the ones that don't, I find, um, you know, took too much debt or sometimes it's just a matter of luck or you took on a bad tenant or, you know, and then that and just didn't, and it didn't line up for you the right, right way. Let's talk about repositioning of certain assets. You sure. mentioned you're, you're, you're doing something maybe in national and self-accounting. Sure. Yeah, we've been focused on uh, recently buying some retail assets. Um, we bought a uh, grocery anchor shopping center up in New City. Uh, we're under contract and uh, moving forward to purchase an asset in Nassau County. That's a, a large asset, um, retail asset. Uh, you know, I, I think what what COVID laid bare for us was that people are going to get a lot more things at home, but people also still go to stores. But it, what it showed us is which stores they go to and how often they go. And once we saw that and the market saw that, you're able to then lean into those concepts that have really um, uh, proliferated. And retail has been, for that reason, it's almost like, you know, the, the retailers understood what worked and what didn't and kind of what this new evolution of shopper looks like. And they've been able to respond really intelligently. And you've seen some tremendous strength in the retail space. Let's talk about industrial. Industrial. Um, industrial is a strong asset class. It remains strong. I would say uh, the onshoring um, and you know the continued need to be close to rooftops continues to be a, a wonderful uh, uh, wind at the back of industrial. I do see a little bit of softness. Um, second half of 23 and into 24 more, but it's, it's less about a, 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 a real softness than it is about not having the rapid rent growth that you had for the four or five years prior. Right. So, so it, it's not softness. It's actually more like normalcy is what I'd probably call it. Right. So you have, you know, you, you finally have some of the development catching up to the demand, but it's an unbelievably healthy asset class. Um, there are strong players in it. There's, it's going to be. It's going to continue to grow in a very healthy fashion. I think just some rent growth moderation is what we're seeing in 24. And building and high interest rates coupled with higher building costs means that there's going to be less product delivered. So when you get into 25 and 26, you know that supply demand imbalance might might begin to take hold again. And and you know, uh, but I I I think it I'm. I'm long the industrial market and getting longer. Okay. I'd like to thank uh, Adam Altman on his outlook and his thoughts on the market, and I'll see you next week. Terrific. Thank you so much, Michael.